Here we are again, another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. I'm excited as heck today because I get to cross paths with somebody that enjoys the same activities that I do, but also makes his living doing an activity that I could only dream of doing, but I would be scared. Today's episode of the podcast, because when I watch this guy on TV, whether it's the Olympics or the X Games or his YouTube channel or the videos that I see on social media, the first word that comes to mind is the first words that come to mind are, I need a drink. This dude does some terrifying, death-defying acrobatics in the air with two skis strapped to his feet, one on each foot. That's kind of like the Dumb and Dumber line. Are those your skis? Yes, both of them. This is David Wise. And I'm going to tell you, Jack Daniels is the sponsor again today of the episode. And I wish that I had one right now because it's so cool to celebrate what this man has accomplished. You've heard him here on the podcast before. Two Olympic gold medals, several X Games gold medals, silver medals. He is the top of the top when it comes to extreme sports and just completely dominating the one that he focuses on, which is freestyle skiing. We're going to get into that today. We're going to talk about what he's going through right now as he approaches 2021 X Games in the great state of Colorado. David Wise, welcome back to the show, my man. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be back. What's going on? Oh, you know, just uh, figuring out what, what, what the new normal is. Every day you wake up and you're like, all right, what's, what's new normal now? The new uh, norm. <laughs> yeah, I'm fired up. I, I actually have one guaranteed event this year and that's going to be x games you're going to have one event in 2021 they're saying well i mean <clears throat> they haven't officially canceled everything else yet but they postponed everything but x games is going to be is going off so that's a great place to start for me so it's, it's something to look forward to it's something to be motivated by um you know it's as a competitive half pipe skier i focus professionally and just i mean my hobby it's everything that i do is in some way directed towards being good at skiing in the half pipe but it does take it does add a weird dynamic to it when you don't have as many competitions to be ready for literally what i do for a job is compete in half pipe skiing on skis and this year going into the year we weren't sure if we were going to compete at all or if we were going to be competing like normal and um so it definitely was kind of mentally daunting trying to i don't know stay focused and stay training at the same level that i that i'm used to because there was so much uncertainty are we going to be competing at all and um that's one of the in in one of the ways i'm thankful for um the x games umbrella because they have so much money to put into that for for one week out of the year similar to to how it feels during the olympic years for one portion of the year we get the same attention that the stick and ball sports get. And I, I recognize and, and admit that my sport's a niche sport and not there's not that many people in the world who deeply care about half pipe skiing. I certainly do, but not everybody does. So I, I recognize that there's some, you know, difficulties there in terms of putting a bunch of money into it, making sure everybody's in a bubble, COVID testing everybody, making sure that everybody's safe and we're going to do this thing. But X Games is the one event that has the bandwidth to do that. So uh, we're actually going to be a limited field size. We're only got only eight guys competing as opposed to normally 12 or, or even 16 uh, straight to finals, three run final. Everybody like there's going to be no athlete lounge, no hospitality. Everybody shows up to their venue to practice 
and then goes home. And then they show up to their venue to compete and then they go home. And we get COVID tests as soon as we showed up, show up and it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be definitely the most unique X Games I've ever competed in. But I'm excited to have something. And and then the events after that, <clears throat> uh, like the Mammoth Grand Prix and stuff, they're still on the schedule. They've just been officially postponed. So I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get our hands around this COVID thing and still compete in the spring. But um, that, there's certainly no guarantees. So, yeah, I have I have at least one competition this year. How bad will it affect you knowing that, you know, that you said the limited field, the COVID testing, no athletes lounge, no fun, no camaraderie, nothing, just straight competition, no trial runs. You get in there, you get the practice, and then you go straight to a final three-run final for the medal round. But part of the X Games, the biggest thing to me, and part of the athlete's mindset is the crowd participation, the 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 energy, the adrenaline, the cheering, the when you complete your run, all of those people down there trying to slap you and, and grab you and get a selfie with you. Not having that, Scott, does it affect? A, a, I know that you're a, a highly trained athlete and you make your living doing this, but. Does it affect an athlete that he doesn't have that or she doesn't have that? I talked to baseball players this year playing in big stadiums that hold 40,000, 45,000 people with nobody in it, with fake people in cardboard, with fake applause going over the loudspeakers, right? The PA system. Do you does, do you let it affect you? I know you practice without all that. But how does that affect you, the high the high level guys like yourself when you don't get to have that part of the competition. Yeah, it's it's certainly going to play into it. I think uh, I'm excited to watch the other events and, and figure out how the other guys are doing. Um, you know, because it's going to be very strange. That it, you, you, you nailed it on the head. I mean, absolutely one of the best parts about X Games is the crowd. Um, it's the camaraderie. It's like, it's just so exciting and intense and that's what makes it cool so uh it's going to be it's definitely going to change the vibe quite a bit but at the end of the day the the runs that we do are not going to change it's just going to it's and and oftentimes when i'm really in the zone i almost like black out and 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 i put this like brain fog around everything other than exactly what i'm doing so um, there's certain times when you feel the crowd and you hear the crowd and you hear the announcers and stuff like that. Other times I get to the bottom and I don't remember anything other than how I was, how I was feeling about the tricks that I was doing. So I think you're still going to see, we're still going to see some high level athletics in the same way that we've seen some high level athletics on, on the professional sports circuit this year, but it definitely is going to be different. And, and I, I mean, it is sad. It's to me that best part about the X games is the fact that we get to, have these huge crowds and and kind of play this game in front of in front of the masses so um we're just gonna have to do it virtually like everybody's doing everything this year how does the the legislature or the powers that be choose the eight athletes is it based off of the past x game scores is it based off the last year as a whole and what you guys did because there hasn't been a whole lot going on in 2020 how do they pick those eight and who gets left out and why (laughs) that's a that's a question that i has a magical answer i'm not totally sure i'm i honestly am just thankful that i'm on that list i'm I'm glad i made the cut because i don't really know i don't necessarily know and they don't tell you exactly how they chose everybody there are some names on the list that i feel like are missing and there are some names on the list that i feel like you know got 
got a little bit of a gift by getting on that list. So it's uh, it's tough to know how or why they chose the way they chose. Certainly a lot of it's based on past performance, past, especially in the past year before March when everything shut down. Um, but it's not like a it's not like a perfect formula where they can say, oh, this is exactly why we chose this guy. It's just there's the eight guys. And that's the thing about having a private company running <laughs> running an event. It's not like the Olympics. The Olympics has very set parameters for why an athlete gets invited. Each country has their own selection criteria, but it's very transparent. You know exactly why you made the team if you made the team. X Games has always been run by a corporation, and that means they can invite whoever they want. And they try to be diplomatic about it and they try to do their best. But at the end of the day, some of the times you're like, well, I don't know why that guy got invited. So the X Games historically have always been, it's never been kind of like the Simon Cowell, American Idol, first six episodes of the tryouts where you can go if you want and stand in line, put your number on your back and do the trial run and see if you qualify to make the mid-range rounds or the qual, you know, the, the, the gold medal round or the medal round. Have you, has there ever been, or has it always been invite only to where, like you set it up to 16 freestyle skiers or snowboarders or whatever it is in the winter X Games, has it always been just invite only? Uh, a portion of it's always been invite only, but there there have been in the past uh, qualifier events where it's like if you win this contest, you automatically get a spot to X Games. And <clears throat> years ago, when I first got when I got my first invite to the X Games, I was the first guy that got invited based on results alone, not based on some political. This sponsor wants you in, that sponsor wants you in, this guy's hyping you up. Because I was a complete unknown. I was a dark horse out of nowhere. And nobody knew, like I didn't have that, I didn't have that hype going for me when I was young. Um, and I just kept chipping away at it. I just kept showing up to the open events and doing the best I could. And that's how I got my first spot was they recognized, okay, this guy is in the top five consistently, so we have to invite him. And that... I think is going to be to where the the powers that be are going to want the best there, meaning that as far as ratings go, as far as sponsors go to and advertisers, they all want the same thing. They want as many eyeballs on that screen. And however, they're going to televise the X Games through ESPN. I assume it still is. Is ESPN own the X Games? Yeah. So that's Disney? Yep. So... I assume that they want the spectacle. They want David Wise there and the other guys that are at that level to do the baddest ass tricks known to man to where people it keeps people's attention. Yep. Because there are some sporting events in the Olympics even that have lost a lot of people's attention or passion because of probably non-excitement, you mm -hmm. know. So I would think with an event that has the potential to be as exciting as what you do, and not to mention the danger that goes into it, right? right? So they're probably going to pick the guys and the girls that are willing to go all out on every run. And they probably see the history of that. But on the other side of the spectrum, are there any athletes at your level that aren't all out? I mean, it seems like all of you guys are crazy a little bit to the point to where you're, you're putting your body through things that are insane <laughs> that the normal man or girl doesn't do. Right? Are there guys and girls at your level? that aren't willing to go to that extra, that extra pushing the limits button to get that medal? Yeah, I mean, everybody has their limit. Uh, 
it just looks different for us because I mean, there, there are guys there in talking about getting invites. Um, and it is a show and it's supposed to be exciting. Certainly some guys get invited just because they are the one who will go absolutely balls to the wall. They will go all out and throw themselves around for the possibility of getting on that podium. And that's exciting to watch because it's either going to be spectacular on a positive side and they're going to land a great run and do some really crazy things, or they're going to crash. And I'm sitting here in this chair. I know for a fact that most people watch the X games because there's a possibility of watching some gnarly crashes. And I watch some of the other sports on the X games for the same reason. I'm like, man, that looks intense that they might crash on that turn on the border cross or whatever. So yeah, there's definitely that excitement quality to my sport. And and that's what makes it interesting. That is what makes it because it is a niche sport. Not that many people have ever been in a half pipe in their lives, let alone an, a half pipe built out of snow. So I know that not that many people can relate to what I do on a personal level, but a lot of people have been skiing and they want to see it because it's exciting. And so, yeah, there certainly is an aspect of that. People, the, the sponsors, the TV folks, they all want to see a good show. So yeah, some of, some of the invites are based around that, you know, just X factor, that, that excitement factor. And when is the competition start? What's the exact start date that you have to, uh, is there a reporting day? Like, can you report early, like spring training? Can you get there and take more runs and get to know the half pipe? If maybe your competition, do they let David Wise into the half pipe whenever he gets to Colorado? What are the rules around, like, I'm, like let's take the PGA, for example. I don't know for sure, but I'm sure they get the you know, walk the golf course or know where the whole layout is and all of that. I don't know if they get to play it. They get to be on the driving range. Uh, is there an early practice run for a guy like you that shows up a week early or what's, how does that lay out? No. Um, it's a lot more regulated on the world cup side. So the, the umbrella that leads to the actual Olympics, um, they have set times for practice and no country gets more access to practice than any, any other country during the, official event bracket. So the official event bracket will start like 10 days before the event. And so during that 10 days, there's no, you, nobody gets more practice than anybody else, or at least nobody has it avail more practice available to them than anybody else. And X games is similar. The only way that you get to practice extra, uh, would be if you have like a, a sponsor who's doing a video shoot or something in the event. So it's, like I said, it's a, it's a private, private owned organization and half of half of it is putting on a show. So sometimes I've had, I've had the good fortune in the past to have a sponsor that wanted to shoot a piece and they paid the X games organization, a bunch of money to be able to shoot on the X games half pipe during the week leading up to it. Other than that, other than those unique opportunities and, and having competed in the X games 10 times, I've only had that once. Um, everybody else just gets, everybody gets the same amount of practice. Here's, here's the practice window. You show up, you can practice as long as you want from this time to this time. And then you go home. And like I said, with the COVID restrictions, it's going to be way more intense this year where it's like you have a practice window and it's shorter than normal and you don't interact with the other athletes on their way out and they don't interact with you on your way in. You guys do your practice. You only get one athlete support and they're not even allowed at the top of the half pipe. They're only allowed at the bottom. And this is how it's going to be. So, you know, like I said, it's going to be weird, but I'm just thankful to have something to be doing for sure. So you are thankful, but are you as excited as you would be if you were going up there on a regular 
X Games platform? The easy answer is no. But in your mind, are you like, I'm going up there for gold. I'm going up there to smash every competitor. I'm a couple weeks out. My body's in the best shape it's been. I'm coming off an injury, off of a photo shoot injury that I broke my femur in. My body is rocking right now. My balance is there. My equilibrium is there. My strength is there. My mental act, I mean, focus and everything is there. Or is there a part of David Wise at the top of the heap that you are even going like, ugh, I'd rather just stay home with the wife and kids. I mean, come on. This is, it's COVID. It's like, I talk to these guys that are making $20 million a year playing a baseball game like a kid would do. And I'm like, was it the same? You know, like, is it the same? Obviously it's not, but it's part of you just like, ah, come on, just cancel it. Unless we're going full bore. Honestly, no, I'd, I would say I'm more... I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm I'm excited to have something. I'm like, this is what I do. This is what I've done for the last 15 years of my life, you know, or 13 years. I turned pro when I was 18. I turned 30 this year. So I have been a professional half pipe skier for the last 13 years. And this is the one competition that I have for the, for, for this season to put my, to put my passion and my, my love for this craft into. So while I'm doing my best not to get over, like over pressured about it, I'm excited. I'm like, man, this, I, I generally go into a, a competition season with, um, sort of a set mental list of tricks that I want to do or combinations that I want to do. You could call it a run. Like this is a specific run that I want to be able to do by the end of the year. Um, and generally, especially now that we have this four year staggered, uh, competition the olympics to shoot for i have a tendency to be using the years leading up to the olympics as preparation for the run that i want to do in the olympic games so that doesn't change for me this year i still have a run that i want to accomplish this year that is a good stepping stone to the run that i want to do next year for the olympics so the down the the unfortunate part about that is i only have one one real opportunity at a at a high quality half pipe to pull it off so now all of what I would what what I would be passionate about for an entire season is kind of getting stacked on one event, which could make it more pressure, could make it more intense. But um, you know, at some point you learn to control the things that you can control and let everything else go. So I'm just looking at it like, hey, I'm excited to try this run that I want to do, and I'm excited that we we have the venue to do it, and we'll see how it goes. When you look at a, a, another extreme sport like bull riding which is extreme as it gets in my opinion mm -hmm. there's a certain stature of a bull rider most of the ones that i know or that i've seen compete are five four five 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 six 135 to 150 pounds strong as heck but little yep. they get on the back of these bulls that are 1800 pounds that can jump three and a half four feet in the air spin around both directions are you at a disadvantage with the way you're built for what you do and how are the other skiers in this, what you say, quote unquote, niche sport, are they built like you or is there a certain build that you want? Because you are built like a more of a football tight end or a wide receiver, probably six two, a buck 95. You probably, I don't know what you walk around when you're not in tip top shape, but you're probably 195 pounds of muscle. That might be a little high, but are you at a disadvantage with your body? You say you only can control the things you can control, mm -hmm. which is your body, but the way you're built, when you just look at the art in the sport and the competitive edge of freestyle skiing and a half pipe, are you the right stature? Are you supposed to be built like you are to be as good as you are? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, the 
the body the, the bull rider's bull body type is the classic body type of a half pipe skier as well that short and strong you know it's, you you flip well you you carry around you can be a lot stronger at a lot lower body weight um that's just a general most guys most of the guys that i'm competing against are are three or four inches shorter than me and 30 or 40 pounds lighter than I am. I'm, I'm six, one walk around yeah, 190, 195. When I'm really tip top shape, I get down into the 187 range and that's where I hope to be starting the season. So, um, it, it could, you could see it as a disadvantage in certain, in certain times, it actually works out to be a huge advantage because as soon as the weather rolls in, keep in mind, we're talking about a winter sport here which means that when winter weather rolls in, blizzards, snowstorms, sleet, hail, all of those things detract from the quality of the, the, the competition because when there's fresh snow falling, fresh snow is really slow. It's, it's way more crystalline because it just formed. It doesn't have that icy, fast quality to it. So as soon as it starts to snow, it slows the half pipe down a lot. And, and speed is, is a huge part of what we do because the higher you go, the better your swords are going to be. So being the guy who's 195 pounds and can generate more speed in a slow speed environment is a huge advantage. So most of the time, uh, on bad weather competition days, I have a little bit of a leg up, but the flip side of that is that the rest of the time when the half pipe's normal, I'm at a disadvantage because I hit the ground harder than anybody else. It takes a lot more force to be able to throw a six foot one body around than it does to be able to throw a five, nine body around. So um, I mean, it's just catered. Like you said, I can only control what I can control. It's catered the way that I train for skiing. I spend a lot less time on snow than some of my competitors and a lot more time in the gym. A lot of the guys I compete against don't even go to the gym. They just ski all the time and that's how they stay fit. And that's how they stay strong. For me, I know that I'm throwing a big carcass around and I need to be able to be, I need to be as strong as I possibly can be while still being as light as I possibly can be. So, um, yeah, I probably spend 30% more time in the gym than anybody else. And that's just the way it is for me. It's worked out in the, in my career path to be an advantage because the fact that I need to be stronger has required me to be stronger. And it's been a huge advantage for coming back from injuries. Um, because it's not a question of if you're going to get injured, it's a question of when and how badly and how quickly can you come back? And the fact that I've trained like a professional athlete, I mean, I, I grew up playing stick and ball sports. I played b football and baseball. So going to the gym was not foreign to me. And I've treated my, I've treated this half pipe game like a, like a traditional professional athlete would. I've always been in the gym. I've always been cross training in some way or another. And that's really helped my, um, my recovery from injuries for sure. But there's also gravity. So when you're going up in the air, like you are, gravity's telling me that you're at a disadvantage because you're being pulled down fast. Hitting the ground the a little balls. harder. Yeah. Hitting the ground harder. So does that make it harder for, obviously it's, you've got less time to do your tricks, right? Because you're the gravitational force is pulling you down faster than it would somebody lighter than you. Or is it the exact same when you're up in the air, no matter how big you are, are you still going to fall the same? You're just going to have more force. Well, I mean, if you think about the physics of it, the amount of speed that you take out of the transition translates to how high you go in the air. So, uh, you know, me, a 195 pound guy going 
25 miles an hour out of the transition is still going to go the same height as a 155 pound guy going the same speed. So the ability to go as high doesn't change, but I have a longer pendulum to swing when I'm flipping. So if I'm trying to do double corks or, you know, 1440s, 1620s, all those things, I just have more body to spin around. So while I can easily go at as high as the other guys, I do have to generate more force with my shoulders and hips and abs and to get those rotations around. And I hit the ground harder. But the the thing to think about with half pipe is if you land right at the top of the transition. So if you land right at the top of the half pipe wall, the impact is almost zero because it's a vertical transition. You take off on a vertical transition and you land on a vertical transition. So if you land just right, it doesn't, you don't hit the ground hard at all. <laughs> when you make a mistake and you land a little further into what we call the belly of the half pipe, you're landing on a slightly flatter surface because you're going further into the parabola there. And uh, that's when you hit the ground hard. And that's where I feel those landings a lot worse than those other younger, smaller guys. So yeah, it's, 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 I couldn't say whether it's an advantage or a disadvantage. It just is. It's, it's the way that I've, it's, it's all I've ever known is this game that I play on a pair of skis. And this is the way that I've made it work. And, and I feel like I wouldn't rewrite the story. I wouldn't, if you could, if you gave me a button to push to make myself five, nine and be the ideal half pipe body type, I probably wouldn't do it because the fact that I had to overcome these disadvantages has made me way more gritty. And there's no substitute for grit at the end of the day. You can have all the talent you want. I, w- I wouldn't go back in time and give myself more talent even because the, the guys that I was competing against as a young person were way more talented than I was. But because I wasn't talented enough to get by easy, I had to learn how to work hard. And that has, that has defined my career is my ability to outwork anybody. In a way to where we got to remind people that you have won the gold medal at the Olympic Games twice for freestyle skiing, you've won how many X Games medals? Four. Four X Games golds, or does that include the silver? Oh, that's just gold. That's gold. And you've also won silvers in the freestyle skiing. You've competed 10 <laughs> times, so 40% of the time in the X Games, you've been the top, which is an unbelievable number because of the 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 talent pool at the X Games is high. There's a lot of talented skiers, snowboarders. Um, there's so much to be said about the accomplishments already. When is enough enough? I know that it's your livelihood, but you, you're coming off a pretty freakish in, uh, injury that yeah. you said because of your strength and your time in the gym and your physical fitness and your routine and all of that, plus mental, mentality goes into this, but your recovery has been strong. Yep. You come back from injury very good. But you have kids now. Mm-hmm. You have you know, youngins that are going to worry about you have more responsibility than just little young David Wise flipping through the air. When is enough enough for an athlete like that? Is it the adrenaline that keeps you going or are you so focused forward that you know that this next Olympics is your last or are you going to go four more years after that? You told me Sean White is maybe going to go into his, I don't even know how many Olympics. His fifth fifth Olympics. That's 20 years of Olympics competition. That's high especially when you're doing this stuff. Now, Phelps did a lot of Olympics, and I know yep. that swimming is very hard, but it's not dangerous. If you know how to swim and you're not in fear of drowning, it's not doing what you and Sean White right. do or Scotty Leg or these guys. When is enough enough, you think, for the uh, just the chance? Because you even said yourself, it's not if you're going to get hurt, it's when. Mm-hmm. When is enough enough now that you know you have other people that you're living for? Yeah, that's a good question, and that's one that I wrestle with all the time is – 
when is enough enough? And <clears throat> the reality is the answer to your question, my answer to your question kind of comes down to my mentality about why I do what I do. Because um, somewhere along the way, I gave up on this idea that I needed to do enough to feel fulfilled. I needed to have enough worldly success. Like X number of gold medals would be enough for me. At some point, I stopped trying to win gold medals and just started literally doing art. Like I literally just looked at the half pipe as a medium and my own body and my own skill set as the paintbrush. And like, what can I do that nobody else can do? And so I treat it, I treat this game that I play as an art. And I, and when is enough enough is when I'm going to be, when I'm bored of it, when I'm, when I'm tired of trying, of doing new things on a pair of skis, then I'll, then I'll move on. And, and I want to, I don't want to do the slow fade where it's like, oh yeah, he had a great career. And then he just kept hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. I don't want to hang on. I want to do it as long as I'm passionate about it. And then I want to be comfortable moving on with my life. I don't, I don't want to be the washed up guy that people are like, oh what man. About, what about doing what Sean did with skateboarding or like Pastrana's done with so many different levels of his mm -hmm. X games with, you know, automotive and motorcycle and freestyle and tricks and jumps and all that. Have you ever said, you know what, I'm going to transition into the snowboard or I'm going to transition into a street skater because of your ability to be strong and balanced and athletic? Is it too late at 30 years old to even have that mentality now? Or would you ever consider, you know what, I've done enough with my paintbrush with these two skis. <laughs> now I'm rolling over here and I'm going to conquer this. I'll be 100% honest with you, man. Those dudes are way more talented than I am. I have I have accomplished what I've accomplished on a pair of skis. And I don't think I could do it in another realm, um, at least on the action sports side of things. The, like Sean White is, he's just insanely talented. He's the kind of guy that you're just like anybody is jealous of because he picks up something and he's good at it. And I was never that way. Now, like you said, I've, I've got a, I have a pretty specific set of skills. You know, balance is obviously something that I'm very into and have been have been sharpening my balance my whole life. So uh, if you take something that's balance oriented, I'm definitely going to be naturally good at it, but not quite so naturally good at it as those guys are. I couldn't just sit in the car like Pastrana did and say, OK, I, I know how to I know how to I know that I understand the laws of physics and how to drive something really fast. I'm going to be the best at this, too. I'm not like that. But um, you bring up an interesting point because one of my long-term goals, and I have this long list of goals that are just, most of them are outlandish. Some of them are I'll never get to, but I love having things to chase because um, it keeps me, it keeps me excited. So one of my long-term goals is professional archery because that's something where the mindset and the ability to compete well that I've developed throughout a 13-year career as a skier um, translates well because the art of, I mean, the sport of archery is mostly mental. Anybody on any given day could go out and shoot a bow. I could teach you the technique and within four or five hours, I could have you hitting, hitting bullseyes, not every single time, but at least once in a while. So it's something that anybody could do, but it's about, it comes down to the consistency, the ability to do it over and over and over and over again. And I love that mental challenge. So um, as a long-term goal, I do want to try, I, it's just an experiment for me. Like it's, it's for kind of for kicks, like, all right, I'm going to give this a rip and I want to try to 
make it as a professional archer at some point. This is granted, this is going to be post ski career because skiing eats up all my time right now. And that's totally fine between the, the amount of hunting that I do and the amount of skiing that I do. Um, I really couldn't do much more and still keep my wife happy with your ability to, to, you know, physically to do what you do. I've seen videos of you working out. I've seen videos of you skiing and half pipe and the things that you can do. It could be taken for granted that, you know, it's just like riding a bike, right? David Wise has been doing it so long. He can do it. What people don't understand is what you do put yourself through the entire year, the dedication, the commitment, the focus, the just the discipline that goes into keeping your body in tip top shape, keeping your mental clarity, keeping your home life going with being a good father and a good husband, a good son to your mom and dad. Um, what are the driving factors or what are the things that you do control that help with that? Let's start with nutrition. The other day when we were hunting, we're going to have another podcast on the Foul Life podcast and talk about hunting one day, but um, you had carrots. You peeled some carrots and you were eating whole carrots. You had you had very healthy food, celery sticks. You had a sandwich, but it wasn't something that was going to be loaded with a ton of cheeses and mayos and stuff. I'm not saying that you don't eat like that, but how do you eat? How do you cheat right now? Going into the X Games, you know you're only a few weeks out. Are you dialed in on a per, uh, I know that you eat seven, eight times a day. I know that your metabolism is stronger than shit, but <laughs> are you stuffing yourself with a ho-ho in sugar? Are you a keto guy? Do you cheat with sushi right now and eat all of the rice? Is your body just so quick twitch that you can do whatever you want and still perform at that level? Or does that, does that discipline have a huge role in your success too? Oh, absolutely. It's that's a, that's probably one of the unnamed aspects of what I do or what any athlete does that, that it's almost hard to understand because it's so, it seems so mundane, but man, what you put into your body absolutely translates into what you get out of it. And so, yeah, for me, I've, I've done all kinds of testing and experimentation based around diet to try to find out what works best for me. And I'll come out and say that what I do for me isn't necessarily what you should do for you because I have tested it on myself and I know that it works best because I've tried everything else and it didn't. So, um, but I think that everybody needs to figure out what it is that their body wants, you know? And, um, so for me, uh, I don't do the keto thing. I'm not super low carb. I'm actually a pretty high carb diet kind of guy, but I, I stick with the complex carbs. I try to eat as little processed food as I possibly can. Most of the protein that I eat, uh, I would say probably 90, 95% of the protein that I eat is, is wild game. So it's something that I either shot with my bow or raised with my family and did the butchering and slaughtering our slaughtering and butchering ourselves. Um, so, it, and that works best for me. I've tried vegetarian and vegan and all the, all the fad diets. I've tried different nutritional programs. And for me, the high, the complex carb, high gain protein diet hundred percent outperforms all the others every time. Um, and so, yeah, on the other end of the spectrum, my sport's a finesse sport, meaning it's, it's almost, a. I almost eat like a sprinter would, right? Like he only has a short amount of time that he's under 
a large amount of stress. Like you're, when you're, when you're on the starting line as a sprinter, the gun goes off and you put your body through an immense amount of force for a really short amount of time. And my sport's pretty similar in the fact that, uh, a, a run lasts generally 35 to 40 seconds. So all I need to be able to withstand really for my sport is 35 to 40 cents of 40, 35 to 40 seconds of immense pressure, lots of strength, lots of explosive movements with my muscles. But then I generally have a rest period right after that. So I, I eat more like a sprinter than like a long distance runner. If you're, uh, if you're training your body for distance, you have to be really, really mindful of the type of carbohydrates that you put in and how much you put in. And, uh, you know, you're, you're essentially draining your body's fuel source all the way down to zero every time you compete. I never drain my body's fuel source down to zero and I can walk around at, at 10 to 12% body fat and still be totally, that, that's actually the realm that I want to be because your, you, your, your muscles actually to be extremely explosive need to have a little bit of a, of a fat cushion around them. So I'm not walking around at 5% body fat like other athletes are. Um, so I, I call it performance eating. Uh, you'll definitely see me eat. For one thing, I eat a lot of food and I don't, I don't stress about, you know, not eating this or not eating that. I still eat things that taste good. I just eat a lot of it. I love that part of the game that you, if you have the right mindset and you are, you said, obviously what works for you might not work for anybody listening, including myself, but I think it's such a cool mindset to not stretch your body out over fad. What you put in is what you take out, just like a bank account. You have fad diets. You have, you know, they say that athletes don't diet, you know, they, they, they don't exercise and diet. They, they eat and train, you know, Mm -hmm. they, 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 they make sure that they are putting in their body what their body needs for what they're going to do. And I think it's just a great way to live and a great example of saying, Hey, if you work hard and you take care of your body mentally, emotionally, and physically, and you do the protocols, you do the small muscle workouts, you do the recovery drills, you do different things for cardio or different things for strength training. That's number one. That's key of being able to have the mindset of like, look, I want to enjoy food. I don't need to abuse it. You don't need to abuse food. You don't need to go in and be a glutton for punishment and go to a Chinese buffet and just stuff yourself full of MSG and fried foods and breaded foods and all this stuff that you say processed. But if you really to have that mindset of like, dude, I take care of myself. I'm not going to stress out what I eat. Yeah, I'm going to burn it off. I'm going to exercise enough. I'm not even going to have the mentality that I'm going to work hard enough so I could cheat on a meal. I'm just going to put into my body what it needs and not think twice about it. Yeah, I mean, you just have to look at it. For, for me, I look at it as a long game. I know that traditionally, historically, I'm a lot more mindful about it when it comes down to being really close to competition when I'm trying to be at my absolute peak. But the rest of the time I'm playing the long game and I know that habitually I'm eating the right things. I'm eating things that are good for my body. I'm eating enough of the right things. I'm eating enough protein. I'm eating enough carbohydrates. I have enough vitamins and minerals. I know that as in the long term, and that means I can get away with a, a meal here and there and I don't have to stress about it. So, um, I think that that's a, that's a good just a good little tip for people. It's like, Hey, look, eat, eat consistently well. And that means you can have a donut here and there and you don't have to cry about it. You don't have to stress route, right? <laughs> you don't have to have that mindset of like, I'm going to do the Atkins and I'm never going to eat spaghetti again. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just, 
that's crazy to me because sooner or later your body's going to be like, I need spaghetti or lasagna again. And then all of a sudden your body's going to be like, whoa, what'd you just put in me? You know, yeah. like your system's not going to be ready for it. It's just, I think it's a cool idea. And then especially you top it with wild game and complex carbohydrates, animals that you scout and harvest and take all of this pride in preparing and butchering and processing and everything that goes into that mindset such a great study such a huge study of especially and i don't care if you're an anti-hunter you to each their own mm -hmm. i don't care if you're a vegan or a vegetarian but if you really break it down and you look at what the body needs it's so cool to know what an elk can provide in a caribou and in a, in a wild pig or a home-raised pig or 4-h pig like what we're going to eat today um i just think it's a cool mindset to be able to hone your skill set as an archer or a shotgunner or a game caller or a hunter or a fisher or whatever you do mm -hmm. or raising cattle and steer and pigs and goats and lambs or whatever you and your kids are doing process that food use that food as fuel to go win an olympic gold medal Mm -hmm. To be able to go into the gym and put your body at the highest stress that it can get through and balance and equilibrium and all of the stuff that it takes to have that going on. And then just it's all encompassing sustainability yep. and then go and make sure that you're part of the conservation groups that are helping out. That's right. Making sure that you're all about the mountain and the snow and the habitat and yeah. everything that goes into to, to, to conservation and, and what really it means to have a, a really good relationship with mother nature and yep. understand the mountain or the marsh or the, what a cooler way to live, dude. I mean, it's like you're wrapping it all in to like this, this little David wise, little jail system of like, Hey, this works for me, but I really think that if people broke it down and studied it, I think they could be like, dude, that mindset's unreal. That mindset is the reason why you're at where you're at, in my opinion. Of like, look, there's I, I do what it takes to be successful and I don't make excuses and I don't apologize for it. Mm -hmm. I'm respectful. I'm ethical. I, I, I have morals. You know what I'm saying? Like all of that. You care about the animals that you're that you're chasing and then you're eating them and you're providing yeah. pro, high protein, organic wild game meat and proteins for your family and friends. Yeah. It's pretty badass. I mean, the way I look at it is like you said, I, I, uh, I can see all walks of life and I can respect anybody else's journey. Uh, but for me, I tested diets and I recognized that I, my body needed to eat meat in order to perform at the levels that I wanted to perform at in order to be as strong as I wanted to be. I tried other things and I was, only disappointed with the results. So I knew I needed to eat meat. And so then I went into the complex carbs testing phase of that diet, uh, experiment that I was doing. I was like, okay, uh, chicken, turkey, you know, all these other things. And the, the game the wild game meat, primarily elk, uh, which just outperformed everything else in terms of how I felt and how I performed. So I just recognized this is the journey for me. I mean, I'm not going to say that I wasn't excited that that it happens to coincide with one of my other great passions, which is, which is hunting, hunting and, and being in the outdoors. Um, I feel closest to God when I'm outside. I like being out in the mountains. I like, I just like it a lot, whether I harvest an animal or not, I love hunting. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of become this thing where, uh, I always felt like hunting was good hunting and mountain biking and all the things that I do in the summertime were all were really good cross training for skiing. And ironically, skiing has kind of become good cross training for hunting because I've learned through the art of half pipe skiing, how to perform well under pressure. And the, 
the pressure isn't that different uh, when you're standing at the top of a major competition or when you're about to draw your bow back on the biggest bull you've ever seen. You know, it's they're, they're really similar feelings. And so I've been able to translate those two things. So I've kind of settled on this philosophy where I'm cross-training for life. So I'm no longer cross-training for skiing when I'm mountain biking and I'm no longer cross-training for hunting when I'm skiing. All of those things for me are just a way of, of becoming a better human and and playing this playing this game of life the best i can with what i've been given and and i'm just super thankful like like you said it uh gratefulness is one of the most important assets anybody can have Humil- I talk, humility and gratefulness yeah i just talked to, i talked about grit earlier like having grit being able to overcome adversity and be thankful for where you're at even if it's a hard place to be i love that i love it so with that being said and with a non-arrogant david watch <laughs> What's your call? When does the competition start? X Games. Uh, my my event's Friday night, the 29th. of January. Yep. So you got three weeks, two yep. weeks. What's your call? Give me because you're going to come back onto the podcast after. Yep. We're going to talk about the competition, how it was different than past X Games, what you ended up on the podium. What's your call? I feel pretty good about the fact that I am going to land a run that I've never done before. So you're going to see some new things from me, and that's honestly. In, in talking about my philosophy of, of trying to uh, control the controllable, that's all I can say. I don't know if other guys are going to come out and surprise the heck out of me, uh, but I know that I have a run that I want to put together I'm excited about. I love it. That's David Wise. Got a homemade lunch ready for us. It's ready to roll. We're going to have David back on the podcast about three weeks, a month from now, after he goes and brings home gold from the great state of Colorado, ESPN X Games. David Wise, check him out. Where can they find you? At David Wise on Instagram? Mr. David Wise and on everything. So at Mr. David Wise on Instagram, Facebook, and then the YouTube channel is just Mr. David Wise. Mr. David Wise, a badass. And he's a hunter. We love him. We love having him here. We're going to talk hunting on an upcoming episode of the Foul Life Podcast. And we will touch on what he brings home as far as the medal round goes in the 2021 X Games, January 29th, 2021 in Aspen, Colorado. He will be back. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast brought to you by our friends, Lynchburg, Tennessee, Jack Daniels, Sour Mash, Tennessee Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for supporting the podcast, our TV show, all of our endeavors and brands. Please make sure that you subscribe and download This Life Ain't For Everybody, the Foul Life podcast, and our brand new podcast, Where the Pavement Ends, hosted by Clinton Clay Belding and Alex Crosby. Chad Belding, Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is Leith Lofton. What you going to do when the money's all gone? Believe even has a bank. Make good use of your time on.